Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from, well, one third of us is coming to you live from my house. The other two thirds are coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. The two in studio are our CHGO White Sox writers uh, on. Is it the left? Yeah, yeah, depends on who you're talking about, I suppose. Vinny Duber. Yeah, you can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can read his latest piece about Martin Maldonado and that acquisition for the White Sox reportedly up at allchgo.com. And the man on the right is Jared Willis, uh, our White Sox and Cubs writer, our baseball writer. You can follow him at J Willis Wise instead of Eyes at uh, J. W-Y-L-L-Y-S. Hi, Jared. Hey, Sean. How, how are things? We haven't, we haven't seen you in a bit. I know it's been, uh, I think, what was that, just before Thanksgiving was the last time I got to chat with you guys, so it's been a little while. And unlike the Cubs, the other team that you cover, the, the Sox have been active. Uh, you Now actually, we have to talk. Yeah, yeah now they've, they've actually been doing like, some stuff, yeah. Uh, Tim Hill, Martin Maldonado. Uh, I know you're you're very excited uh, to to give us your Tim Hill thoughts. Uh, but we're gonna go somewhat chronologically today. We're gonna be looking at 2023 in review. I went through all 14 pages of 2023 on lchgo.com and put a timeline together of all of those articles that uh, Vinny and Jared wrote about, uh, and we'll, we'll attack it from there. But uh, why don't we start with our predictions for what we thought this team would do in 2023. There were so many off-season uh, things that happened uh, leading up to these predictions. Andrew Benatendi was signed and introduced on January 4th. Liam Hendricks, underwent cancer treatment on January 8th, and obviously he missed time. Uh, then one of their off-season signings, Mike Clevenger, was announced that he was being investigated by MLB for domestic violence allegations. They re-signed Elvis Andrews. Uh, all of this uh, we took uh, after TA also performed well at the World Baseball Classic and gave you these predictions. Uh, Herb, Vinny, and I all thought we, they would go over 500. Uh, Jared was technically the winner, predicting 80 and 82. And we all know that the White Sox finished 2023 with 101 losses. Uh, so if you can go back to, what, March 30th and talk to your former self, what would you tell uh, yourself about the Chicago White Sox? If December 28th, Vinny or Jared could talk to uh, March 30th, Jared or Vinny, before you gave in these predictions, what would you tell yourself about the 2023 White Sox? I guess, uh, I guess I would say to him, uh, hey, remember when they were hurt so bad last year and the year before that and the year before that? Yeah, that's going to happen again. Uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's crazy to think. And obviously what we did see this year was guys take the field. We saw guys you know, step to the plate, but I'm not sure if we saw anything close to the health that was 
I don't know if you can use the word expected, but I guess for the White Sox and their fans hoped for, um, you know, we, we, we talk about Aloy Jimenez avoiding the big, you know, month-long or months-long injury absence, but guess what? He was hurt all year long. He was couldn't run. It was pretty clear to see. Tim Anderson was hurt all year long. Uh, Yohan Moncada was out with the back all year and or affected by the back all year long uh it was the same old story again i don't think anybody could have predicted 101 losses one of the worst seasons in franchise history but uh you know how much time sean did we spend around this time and and certainly closer to the start of the season a year ago saying well you know if they stay healthy there's still those guys they could still put it together kind of thing and yet the same story kept being true they couldn't be healthy they couldn't prove that they were those guys even if they are they couldn't be out there with full health to prove it yeah i mean i think if i could go back to march 30th i would say a a lot of the same kinds of things like what for as much as you hope that everything kind of goes right. It's also equally capable of going so very wrong, you know, the other way. And I think that's what we saw in 2023 was maybe worst case scenario. And that's what really unfolded this year. I don't know that this, this season could have gone much worse for the White Sox than it did. Um, And so, you know, when you come into a new season, you're always a little hopeful. And I remember feeling kind of, sort of like cautiously optimistic about the White Sox, um, even with the 80 and 82 prediction. Um, but I, at that point, I remember thinking like, this would be a step in the right direction. You'd, you'd see them making a step forward so that maybe 2024, things are looking even better. Be, being one game worse than they were the year prior would be a step in the right direction <laughs> in your mind? I think, yeah, I think, <laughs> um, because I think some of the issues that they had in 2022 um, I felt like they'd be able to move on from. Um, but like I said, it, I think the, the biggest lesson is that there's, you know, we, we, you always hope for, here's all the best case scenario stuff. Well, if this happens, if they stay healthy, um, if the new manager really kind of injects this fire into the team that we felt like they needed in, in 2022, if this, if that, then yeah, things are going to look pretty good. Um, but hold on to your hats because things can very easily go uh, very much the other direction. Yeah, right. As uh, to Vinny's point, by April 10th, Aloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada, and Tim Anderson were all on the IL. Uh, so it basically took what, about 11 games for them to just uh, settle out to where they, they ended up being. Uh, Tim obviously would struggle with power for the entire season uh, after Hanser Alberto performed a flying knee buster on him. Uh, if this was WWE, I think we'd be applauding his uh, form and his ability to really just uh, take out Tim Anderson there. Uh, but again, this is baseball and they're on the same team. All he, uh, all so he did was throw great. the ball. All he did was throw the ball. He didn't even have to make contact. He just had to put the ball in the worst possible spot for the runner to run right into TA. It wasn't Hanser that ran into him. No, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a pickle gone awry. Uh, and, and Hanser's throw to TA, uh, who was covering third base at the time, uh, uh, was just like I said, right in the right spot where he had to kind of move in to the runner who was coming in, and boy, that's kind of the last. That was kind of the last gasp of a of a, of, of the potential for a good year for Mister Waiting for the Red Line, Tim Anderson, over here on the on the Foco bobblehead. <laughs> 
I didn't put this in the timeline, uh, Leary Garcia getting DFA'd, but what do we think about them paying Leary Garcia $5.5 million to not play for them in 2023 just to replace him with Hanser Alberto, who wouldn't last two months on this team? Well, certainly hindsight uh, uh, makes it seem even more ridiculous, but I think in the moment... Yeah, White Sox fans are thrilled with that decision. I mean, Larry Garcia was a guy who couldn't really consistently produce when he'd been forced in to a role that he wasn't really expected to play. And then when he showed up to spring training, everybody was like, well, they're not going to just pay him to go away. I guess he's soaking up a roster spot. They showed that they weren't afraid. They showed they showed that they weren't afraid to ta- take on that cost if it meant putting a better roster together. You'll remember Hanser Alberto was tearing it up in spring training. Um, again, you yes, chuckle, he Sean. Was. You chuckle, Sean, but he was. Uh, everybody in our comments back then wanted, was, was, was just begging for that move to be made, for Leori Garcia to go away so Hanser Alberto could take that roster spot. Uh, and then the game started counting and, and the numbers weren't so great. Now I need to look up Hanser Alberto's uh, spring training stats. They were, they were good. Of they a were good. killer he was. Uh, I, I can't find those uh, super easily. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, that's not where the White Sox season went wrong. Um, but may, maybe if there was any sense of it, what was it? Was it the, the nine-game losing streak and Luis Robert getting benched? Because obviously that storyline turned around, as we saw uh, in late April, Luis Robert not hustling or a miscommunication. Uh, he was benched on uh, April um, April 29th, uh, then was subbed in on April 30th in the seventh inning, uh, and then returned to action on May 2nd. And obviously, you ended up winning the Silver Slugger. So it's kind of crazy to look back on that April 29th moment and see that this guy was, you know, kind of pulling back this team. When you look back in hindsight, he was the only thing that was really successful about this team. Um, uh, What do we make of the turnaround of Luis Robert Jr.? Uh, Because we all had high expectations for him. And he didn't really have the hottest start to the year, but the end and the way he finished uh, was truly superstar level. I think if you're going to pull a silver lining from this season, that's a silver slugger lining, Jared. Hey, oh, that's got to be it. I mean, that's got to be it, because um, you almost forget the way that this season started for for Luis Robert, um, given how it ended and and the way that he made himself into a guy that I think most of us would say you're building the future of this team around him to some extent, or at least we, we agree that he's a guy who needs to be a part of, you know, the next, hopefully next good White Sox team uh, that comes around when, whenever that might be. But um, yeah, he's, he, cause he turned himself into, I think a le- somebody who you could legitimately look at and say, there's a, a future MVP in this player. Um, he has that level of talent. And he is the kind of guy, both offensively and defensively, who has cemented himself as, in my mind, this is the center fielder uh, for the White Sox for years to come. Um, Because we saw what he can do with the bat, but I think he drew a lot of praise for his his defense in center field as well. And I think deservedly so, because that was something we talked a lot about as the season went on, was how much growth he made as as a defender too. Yeah, I mean, Sean, uh, you know, you you asked us before the show to try to find the moment where it all kind of fell apart for the White Sox, and I think April is that moment, right? I mean, they went on that long losing streak, and just some moments that you, I mean, it was very much already, wow, everything's going wrong. You know, I mean, you talked about the injuries, and that was a huge part, 
But, I mean, even look at what happened on the field. Michael Kopech just getting rocked in the home opener. Um, you know, you got uh, Lance Lynn during that losing streak, that game where he's got a no-hitter going and ends mm-hmm. up giving up eight runs or whatever in one inning. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, the same uh, – also during that losing streak, I think when they're down in Tampa and the offense is just m- destroyed by Shane McClanahan. I mean, who destroyed a lot of offenses, but really made to look like uh, they were they were not – really anywhere close to being competitive and you know you you, you've got by the end of September or early October and heck even still now as we're still dissecting this Pedro Grafol talking about what went wrong for during the season while really hard to look up at the end of April be 7 and 21 and and think that you are going to be able to 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 make a run at things so uh, even though Andrew Vaughn bailed him out with that uh with that walk-off home run in that crazy comeback to end that losing streak it really, it really already had the makings of a season where nothing was going to go right, and there were just way too many things going wrong. Really, it looked like 2022 did, but, but it, we, we then found out that it could get 20 games worse than that. Well, and if you, th- you look back, it's almost like they, the reverse of the really hot start they had a couple of years ago. But this, I, I think, it was one of the first times – I mean, how often can you say on May 1st – this season's done. Yeah. I mean, and that's really where they were. So, yeah, if you're going to point to where things went wrong, it was pretty much within the first few weeks of this season because not only were they, they losing, but it was just like this didn't even look like a team capable of getting it together. Um, and so after the first 29 games or 28 games or whatever it was in, in the month of April, it was we knew already. You were already talking about – what are they going to do? You know, who are they selling at the trade deadline? All of those kinds of things. Those are conversations we were having on, on the 1st of May. And really, we and, – and, and, Sean, you put together this whole list of everything that happened, and, and you pointed to a lot of the stuff that Rick Hahn said in, in the months that followed that. And he wasn't wrong because math was, you know, not entirely against him at that point. But if they played in any other division – it would have been very clear on May 1st that that they, that there wasn't even a, a road to a turnaround. Now, we spent all of May and much of June, at least in our conversations with Rick Hahn and the players on the team and Pedro, talking about, well, when's this turnaround coming? What's going to happen to make this turnaround happen? But I think it only was because the AL Central was as weak as it was and really as weak as it remains that we were even – talking about that with with the with the people involved you know if they played in the nl west and the dodgers were a million miles ahead of them they played in the al east and the orioles and the rays were a million miles ahead of them we would have been having different conversations maybe not between us but even but with those with the players and with team brass by mid-may i think yeah and looking back at least over the past 10 years i mean that's easily the worst start to the white Sox season uh since 2013 uh 8 and 12 8 and 18 and 2018 seems to be the worst one so that 8 and 21 start uh is just real 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 impressive looking back on it and i i I get your point like i think that's what we were saying too like what else can rick Hahn say when they're 22 and 34 uh memorial day was a little bit too early because again you want to wait until the end or near the, the trade deadline to when all of these teams are bidding against each other for starting pitching or relief pitching, which, which the Sox had a ton again, uh, of. So I'm not like against that. Um, but you even look to the July 4th one. I know that's jumping ahead, but we'll, we'll take a break after this. Um, 
I mean, Rick's quote wasn't super, now looking back at it, wasn't super, you know, I don't know, uh, hope inspiring quote, we can see the calendar, we can see the games back and you want to have a reason to believe that things are going to get better uh, right now between uh, now and August 1st. Like it wasn't anything like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to turn around. We really think that Pedro Grafolo has got this culture going. We really think the guys are healthy and clicking at the time. It's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, like it, it really did feel like a captain that knew the ship was going down and was just trying to calm everybody who else was on there. Uh, maybe uh, that, that didn't have a lifeboat uh anyways uh we'll take a break and then we'll jump back in uh, there's some jake Berger to talk about there's some good moments to talk about uh lucas giolito's near no hitter michael kopech's near perfecto uh we can also talk about the liam Hendricks whole saga uh, of him getting uh the diagnosis him saying that he was done with his cancer treatment, him being cancer-free, him making his return. We'll get into it. want to let you know, though, about our friends over at Circa Sportsbook. Download the Circa Sportsbook app today. They are now in Illinois, so go to circasports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. That's circasports.com slash Illinois-app today. Uh, they are always going to be striving to have games and offering you games uh, with a minus 110 split on their menu, unlike other sports books, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 split. If you're looking to bet on tonight's Thursday night matchup between the Jets and the Browns, Circa is your place to be, whether you are betting the spread, whether you're taking a team straight up, whether you are taking the over or the under, Circa is never going to limit you based on your winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who limit their winning players. And if you have an issue with Circa, there are real people behind the Circus brands who resolve issues in a timely fashion unlike other books who use chat bots they are the world's largest sports book and they are trying to give you the best experience and the uh, best way to win uh, right if you have a, a line or a side that you really feel great about circa is the place to put your money down at so download the circus sports illinois app at circusports.com slash illinois dash app that circusports.com slash illinois dash app if you are somebody you if you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, text GMB833234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Vinny, uh, if, if people are, you know, gambling and watching the game, they're probably going to be enjoying a beverage, right? They're going to get thirsty, Sean, and so they're going to need to go to, over to their fridge. And, of course, because they're a great Chicago and their fridge is well stocked with the finest beer you could purchase. That's Goose Island and of course my beloved 312. Sarah? There it is. All right. So, as we know, folks, if you've been listening for the last week or so, not long ago, I was having a lovely day over in Westtown and I decided to stop by the Fulton Street uh tap room that the that the fine folks at Goose Island have over there. Yeah, you can get your 312 and your full pocket pills and all your beer hugs over at the Jewels. But if you go to the tap room, you can get yourself some brewery exclusives. I had the Polar Peel Winter Wit, which is kind of difficult to say, but it, it is not difficult to drink. It has a little bit of ginger in it. It feels very nice uh, uh, as you take a nice little sip on a cold day like we've had here recently. Uh but, you know, we love Goose Island. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988. They're great supporters of us here at CHGO. And what did I get in my email inbox yesterday, to make a quick aside? The, the fine folks over at the Salt Shed, which put on the great concerts uh, all throughout the year, 
you know, that's where Goose Island's Brewery, which used to be over in Lincoln Park, is going to end up. They got a nice little artist rendering. You can see it there right on the river. So this summer, I have a feeling if, if it's open by then, I have no idea when it's open. But once it's open, this summer, you're going to be want to be wandering down there to get yourself a, a, a beer or two or three or four uh, before you go watch a wonderful concert over there. Uh, basically, what you're going to want to do is have yourself a honkingly good time. Very nice. <laughs> You know, I mean, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll make that their slogan. A I mean, we should talk to them. I've been yeah. using it pretty, uh, pretty liberally, and I kind of like it. It looks good on a T-shirt. We should talk to them because we need to get a certain thing, uh, a certain prop for the, the set that we've That's been talking true. about. For I'm on the, I'm on the hunt. Year. I could trade some free marketing wisdom, and in return, I would get a lovely big fiberglass goose. I'm I'm for it. Once I'm all healthy and cleared, uh, I would love to maybe uh, uh, bug our salespeople and say, "Hey, can we do a, a little video with Goose Island where we try to find the goose?" Uh, anyways, uh, let's let's uh, move on. And uh, I want to discuss Alex's comment. Uh, he says, well, "We saw the Sox smack around a weak AL Central in 2020 and 2021. Didn't even win the division." in 2020 smack around is a very uh interesting term to use uh but it didn't translate to playoff wins uh rick Hahn, uh on june 20th said making the playoffs is important but the goals are loftier than that and when we judge ultimately what happens as we get closer to august 1st than we are now uh how we project our ability to not only win the division but make an impact in october is going to factor in so Sean. i mean this has always been the Sean. Thought with we've got some breaking white Sox news we do? Officially oh. announced just this moment, the White Sox have agreed to a one-year $1.8 million contract with left-handed relief pitcher Tim Hill to clear room on the 40-man roster. <laughs> to clear room on the 40-man roster, right-handed reliever Declan Cronin has no. been designated for assignment. Oh. <laughs> Not Declan Cronin. So there you go. Oh, yeah. That's brand, that's brand spanking new right Is now. Official confirmed by the team. Yes. Wow. Wait, can we? Uh, there we go. Change the the title to emergency podcast. Emerge. White Sox signed I, Tim I Hill. I can do that right now. Yep. You don't need don't, to do don't. that. That was like, being I, that I was Sean being that. sarcastic. But I think Kevin Kaduk, who's walking by, going to need to re-record the CHGO podcast because we've got a new top ten story in Chicago sports for twenty twenty three. Number ten, Tim Hill. Tim, Tim, Tim Hill, Hill has been official, officially announced as the newest um, member of the Chicago White Sox. Do you want me to talk about Tim Hill now? No, I, no, it's it's. End? I will be happy to just. I mean, you can throw in your two cents. They needed a reliever. They got a reliever. They've gone and they've traded uh, everybody that was on the team from the beginning of last season. Uh, they went and traded Aaron Bummer this off season. They had Gregory Santos and Garrett Crochet, and that's basically it. So Tim Hill is now part of that group. I wouldn't expect him to be the final addition to that group. Right. I, it's interesting for them to DFA Cronin. Uh, he was on the 40 man, but I'm assuming he had uh, options. And you look at them cutting Luis Patino, who Herb also said in our Discord that Luis Patino is a future all star, even though the team that picked him up was a team that already got rid of him in the San Diego Padres. So I don't even know if they had the ability to fix him once, uh, let alone twice. So let's cool it on the Luis Patino future all star stuff. Um, but Patino gets cut, Ramirez gets cut. Uh, Davey Garcia still makes this roster. So I think that's interesting just maybe to look in between the lines. He had zero options left, him and Jimmy Lambert, uh, both with zero options. Uh, so they decide to cut Cronin, who I think still had options, uh, didn't have a ton of time in Major League Baseball uh, to take 
Davy Garcia and Jimmy Lambert for now. Uh, for for Davy Davy Garcia, minimal action with the White Sox last year, but I think he was the only pitcher on the team who had a sub three ERA, qualified or un, or non qualified. <laughs> that can't be right. I yeah, mean, two, two ERA. I think it might be right. It was like his, two two sixty five or two eighty five, something like that. With his seventeen K per nine, very cool. Um, yeah, final final Tim Hill thoughts. I guess uh, he's uh, no. I'll I'll save the Tim Hill thoughts for later. All right. Um, so going back to Alex's quote, I mean Rick Hill was or not Rick Hill. Rick Hahn was aware that. You know, even though the White Sox did all right in 2020 and 2021, uh, and obviously couldn't finish the job in 2022, in June 20th, he he still knew that like if they're adding, it doesn't matter because winning the AL Central doesn't equate to being a powerful team. So I think at least June 20th, it kind of felt like maybe things were going to be changed in the White Sox organization. Um, at least the first time we heard it from it uh, from from Han's mouth. Um, when I but. Think- Sean, like you, you rightfully pointed out, I think referring to what they did those two seasons as smacking around the AL Central is I, – I would encourage Alex or anyone else to go back and look at how those teams performed those two seasons, and I don't think you could say they were really doing a lot of smacking around. 21, they, they, they won that division handily in 21. It didn't mean that they were – obviously, it didn't mean by the time they got to the playoffs that they were this – unstoppable force or anything well, like that but i mean they, yeah. they won the division they pretty did easily in 2021 right and that and that's the season you know I, I made reference to it a couple of minutes ago but they started off really hot i think first half was really strong but if i remember correctly that's the year that they basically played 500 baseball in the in the second half and then i don't know if a momentum thing or, or whatever but by the time they got to the playoffs they were not playing like the team that they had been in the first half of the season so I think it's, it's important, yes, to note that it's one thing to be good enough to win the division. It's a very different thing to be good enough to be competitive in the playoffs. But I think going back and looking at those two teams, 2020 and 2021, um, they were good enough to do A, but we all, I think, agree not good enough to do B. So, but right now, going into 2024, we're... They're not good <laughs> enough to do either. Right. So <laughs> neither of those things are in the discussion anymore. So... Um, but yeah, I just felt like, yeah, I don't know if we, we would say they're smacking anyone around, but I think it is a fair point though. Um, so let's move into some of the good moments because obviously this is going to be a timeline littered with bad moments. Uh, let's start first. Obviously this wasn't a, a great moment, but it ended up turning into, um, a very interesting story and obviously, uh, a, a good result for Liam Hendricks on January 8th, Liam Hendricks announced he would be undergoing treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then on May 4th, Liam Hendricks and fittingly May 4th, right? Cause he's a star Wars guy. I think, uh, Liam Hendricks announced the completion of treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He then returned to, uh, baseball action with the Charlotte Knights. And on May 29th, Liam Hendricks returned to MLB action. But obviously, it wasn't a great story for the entire year uh, because even though he started kind of maybe hitting that Liam Hendricks stride, uh, he did end up hitting the IL with elbow inflammation. And later on in the year, it was announced that he would need Tommy John surgery. And then in November, uh, when it was time, the White Sox declined to uh, or decided to decline. Liam Hendricks option for 2024. So, uh, what what do we make of again? 
before going into 2022, we had no idea that Liam Hendricks would ever be dealing with this sickness. A complete roller coaster ride for Liam Hendricks in 2023, um, capped off with him winning comeback player of the year uh, in the American League. But what do we think of this whole Liam Hendricks saga? Because it was a, a wild ride in 2023. Well, certainly you wish that it never would have had to happen in the first place, but I, I do think that this ended up being a great story. Um, probably one of the two uh, biggest positive stories for this White Sox team in 2023, the other one being what we talked about a little bit earlier, Luis Robert Jr., um, and I think it really ends up being one of the probably three biggest stories of the year, positive or negative, for this team. Um, listen, is it a terrible thing to have happened to anybody that that happened uh, very early on in the calendar year and I don't think it's hard for me to say I don't think anybody expected him to be back on a mound before the end of May but then again it was Liam Hendricks and we saw him in mid-February throwing it, it during spring training out working out he was there he was doing stuff uh while he was going through cancer treatment we saw and we found out firsthand just uh you know not just us who follow the team but certainly all the fans as they kept folks updated throughout the process exactly how tough this guy is and how hard of a worker he is to see him back on a mound by by the end of may i mean it was remarkable and, and i think you know certainly him only pitching what five games and then uh requiring the tommy john his white Sox career coming to an end uh you know the the recency bias of that makes folks think maybe oh well it didn't necessarily it didn't necessarily end well but this is a guy who at the beginning of the year was diagnosed with cancer and by the middle of the year had beaten it and was back to work at his job as a professional athlete i think it sounds weird to say but thank goodness and how great it was that Liam Hendricks was able to have need Tommy John surgery right because if if he didn't uh, you know in, in the way that things could have played out he wouldn't have even been back on a mound so I think that he was able to get back to baseball even if it meant undergoing a season-ending baseball injury what what a what a success story it was that he was able to come back and have just a baseball injury, even though it was a significant one. But I think anybody who covers the White Sox would, would probably agree that of the guys in the locker room, Liam Hendricks was always one of the most pleasant to, to interact with. Um, consistently there in the clubhouse, um, always happy to talk, available. I think was always pretty candid with us too. Um, and I noticed times when he was clearly directly or indirectly sticking up for teammates. There were a couple of different times when, you know, I know Tim Anderson was one of them that, you know, Hendricks made a point in one of his interviews to, um, to, to take up for him a little bit. And even after the Tommy John surgery, and it was, we knew that he wasn't going to pitch anymore that season. He was still in there. He was still, you know, with the team and spending time with the team as, mu as much as was possible. So, you know, if you want to talk about, like, clubhouse culture and, and that kind of value and the, the sense that the White Sox lacked in that, um, that's the kind of guy that only does good for you in that sense. So as a baseball player, um, a tremendous athlete, but I think just as a human being, as a man, that's, that's a – a genuinely a good person so very like Vinny to I think you make a really good point in a weird sort of way you're you're happy that he was able to 
get back on the mound and, and have a baseball injury. It stinks that he, that he had the injury that he did, but the fact that he even got to that point was incredible. Right. You'd rather have an athlete suffer an injury than have to deal with something as, yeah. as dark as cancer. Uh, and, and thankfully, again, uh, it seemed, I, I mean, I know cancer isn't always, you know, once you're done with treatment, doesn't mean you're always done with it for your entire life. And hopefully Liam is and can stay healthy. Um, but from going from January to being like, what is this even going to be like to May? I mean, it, five months is just such a remarkable time to uh, recover, go through all that treatment. And for an athlete to even put himself in a position to have an injury again is is just fantastic um, in a weird way. What is the greatest moment of the White Sox season, though, in a season with 101 losses? Is it Hendricks's return? Is it the Jake Berger saga uh, with him just hitting a home run anytime he was at home? Uh, was it one of the great pitching performances, either Giolito's near no hitter or Kopech's perfect game? Uh, what, what moment sticks out the most as the best in a bad year? I would say... I mean, certainly if we're talking about a story, I would say Hendricks, um, year-long thing, Robert's emergence was very uh, good for this team and good for fans, gave them a reason to tune in every night. And in that vein, I'll say if I had to pick a single moment, the the best moment of the White Sox season – it's got to be Robert's game-winning homer to beat the Cubs at Wrigley Field. I think that would probably be the one. Yeah, you had the walk-off homer from Vaughn, which we talked about to complete that comeback in, uh, I believe, on the last day of April. And then Jake Berger hit a walk-off grand slam at one point that really was kind of the maybe lasting image of his breakout this season, uh, even though it ended down in Miami. Uh, but yeah, if I would have to pick one moment, I'm probably going with with uh, Roberts' home run to beat the Cubs. Very reminiscent, even though very different circumstances from a rebuild on the rise to a rebuild that was basically cratering, but very reminiscent, at least in my mind, of the one Aloy Jimenez hit there a few years back. It did feel very similar. And I remember being there when Aloy hit his and going into the, the visitor's clubhouse and he was he was holding his bat that had actually broken, you know, in the act of hitting the home run. And it was, uh, and especially in, in that one, it felt a little different because it was Aloy and his history with the Cubs and all that. But um, yeah, I think the easy best moment is, is Hendricks getting back to the mound. But I also, when Jake Berger hit that grand slam to beat Detroit, um, that was, I think, because I know I said earlier that on May 1st, it felt like the season was done. But that win, they got within, they were nine games. 26 and 35. Yeah, nine games below 500. I'll admit to, that was early June, having a little bit of a feeling of like, well, just maybe there's, who knows, Look maybe. how many games are left yeah. on the schedule, my yeah, goodness. there's so much time <laughs> left. And that's, and that's just me being like a, you know, perpetual baseball optimist. But, you know, I always want good for the teams that I cover because it's it's more fun to cover a winning team um but it's uh that so that to me I like the Jake Berger storyline just in general this season I mean it was it was a bummer to see him get traded um but to see him emerge as the the player that that we got to see this season and even after he was in Miami um was exciting to watch so I look back very fondly on that that grand slam and against Detroit and and Berger too is is he was he was such a nice story I mean I think you know it 
it's unfortunate that it takes something like what happened to Liam Hendricks to make us realize that like, oh, baseball injuries aren't the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, Jake Berger, first round pick and basically forgotten about, you know, I mean, they've, they've, they've got Moncada, they've got Vaughn. Berger's not in the plan because of all the injuries, the double Achilles tear, uh, the, the things that happened during the recovery for that. He's not really getting a chance because of maybe the defensive shortcomings of his game, but man, did he work his ass off and he... He, he made the most of the opportunity that he got. And he, he, he went up there and he turned a, uh, I mean, this guy was on the opening day roster this, this year. And he turned just a shot because of injuries into the second best, at least offensive performance, if not overall performance of anybody on this roster this year, uh, and turned it into a, a, a trip to the playoffs with Miami and a guy who's probably got himself a, a, a nice future down there with the fish. So um, another, as you talked about Hendricks, another great guy to talk to in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. Jake Berger. Uh, you know, you wish him nothing but the best. He stopped by uh, our, our show down, down in Nashville during the winter meetings, which was cool to see him down there. Um, so again, not just a good story, but a good guy to, to, to make you root for during the, during the good story as well. So, uh, you know, they're, the, the glimmers were few and far between for the White Sox this year. But, uh, and again, because of the way it ended, just like with Hendricks, folks probably don't remember it as this right. rousingly positive story. But it was a great uh, few months there for Jake Berger in a White Sox uniform. And uh, he's, uh, you know, turned it into a, a bright future in this game. Well, an incredible amount of work. And obviously, we don't know what Jake Berger would have done with the White Sox, but they turned it into possibly a future future starting pitcher. So his work potentially could benefit the White Sox because, you know, starting start of opening day, they weren't going to be getting a player of Jake Eater's caliber uh, for a guy that wasn't making the opening day roster. But his timeline is just hilarious because I think before the season, you said he was probably done at third base, right? He was mainly going to be a first baseman, Vinny? I mean, he, he was working at first base during the spring, yeah. Right. And then uh, he gets called up after the uh, Aloy, Yoan, Tim injuries. Uh, he hits uh, three homers in his first seven games. And you write about how the Sox can work him into the lineup. Then six days later, uh, you talk about why a move to second base seems unlikely for Jake Berger. Uh, and then on May 31st, he reportedly is taking grounders at second base and even pitch hits for the, uh, the second baseman and finishes the game there. Uh, on June 5th, he hits that walk-off grand slam to improve the Sox to 26 and 35. Uh, and Jared, I don't think you're crazy to be bringing up, you know, hey, maybe there was hope there because that was the closest the Sox ever got uh, to taking the lead in the AL Central. Uh, June 9th, they walk off Miami 2-1 to one, uh, and improved to 29 and 36 were three and a half games back of the AL central. But then basically the white Sox get bitten by, you know, what the white Sox always got bit by and it was the bullpen. And in that next Miami game, they give up five runs in the ninth inning. They lose that. And then in the next game on Sunday, they lose six to five, uh, giving up three runs in the ninth and two runs in the eighth. So, I mean, they had the chance right there to improve to 31 and 36 and possibly be, two and a half games back, two games back. I mean, so it's not crazy for you to say, hey, this team possibly had hope uh, after that burger grand slam there. Um, final burger point, and then we'll get into our ad read, uh, and then we'll talk about the firing of Rick Hahn and, and Ken Williams. So actually, no, let's take the ad break now, uh, and then we'll talk about the uh, firing of uh, Rick Hahn and Ken Williams and the crazy August uh, that the Chicago White Sox had. want to let you know, though, about how it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. It's something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being uh, for, for all of us who share it. 
That's a great point, Sean. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Great band name, Electric Tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. Yes, it can, Vinny. So what should business owners do? Great question, Sean. Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you, yes, you own a business, don't wait. Start start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? You can hear me all the way on the north side, Sean, because that's exactly what I said. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Uh, I'm going to take us on a real grim turn right here, but uh, talking about being uh, better for the planet, uh, Mark Paquette, a baseball meteorologist, you can follow him at DFS MLB Weather. he put out the average temperature from normal for December first uh, to December twenty third, and Chicago, uh, our our lovely lovely city, is uh, plus six to plus eight degrees Fahrenheit uh, hotter than it normally is in uh, December. So uh, you know, hey, think about ele- going electric. Think about uh, you know maybe uh, saving the world if you can. You know, uh, do do your part to save the world. It's a very easy easy task, uh, just like turning the White Sox from a hundred loss team uh, into an AL Central winner. Um, all right, so let's jump into the Rick Hahn firing, uh, and I'll try to tie this into Jake Berger. The Sox end up, well, Jerry Reinsdorf ends up removing Rick Hahn from the GM position, uh, and Ken Williams as president of baseball operations on August twenty second. Um, that's that's three weeks, by the way, after the trade deadline in which they traded everybody. Yeah, right. Uh, so. <laughs> Berger, we bring up the second base thing. He makes his first start on July 25th and then ends up being traded on August 1st. What I want to ask you guys, and I know that we've brought this up before and it's mainly revisionist history, but did Jerry Reinsdorf make a mistake letting Ken Williams and Rick Hahn continue to fight? At the trade deadline, over the future of the White Sox, uh, uh, over the future of the White Sox, as we know, both of those guys weren't going to be continuing, uh, you know, leading the White Sox into their future. So, did Reinsdorf make a mistake not making the switch to Getz earlier? Because I know we can say at the time he didn't know that Chris Getz was going to be replacing uh, Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. But who was the leading candidate on August 22nd when he did fire Rick Hahn and Ken Williams? I don't think anyone was surprised by Chris Getz. So uh, did Ryan Surf make a mistake firing Hahn and Williams too late? Jared? Well, I think <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, and I think you kind of have to objectively, you, you almost have to say yes, because if you don't think that they're capable capable of leading the team into the future, then why would you entrust them with this trade deadline? If you turn around and fire them three weeks later. Um, if that's the way that you felt about this team leadership, I doubt it changed that much between the end of July and the end of August. So if you kind of knew that this is what you were gonna do, on one hand, yes, maybe you do it sooner so that you have someone else facilitating the trade deadline, but the flip side of that is, let's say that they do fire those guys a month and a half earlier, you are also then having to decide who's taking their place and 
putting them immediately in the position of now here, now you've got to navigate this trade deadline. And oh, by the way, it's a super important one. Um, and even if it is Chris Getz and you kind of know that that's the direction you're leaning, that's still a lot to ask of a GM in their first few weeks on the job. Um, but I, I still come back to, if you didn't think that these were your guys, then I don't know why you, you let them make these moves when they're going to lose their jobs just a few weeks later. Well, and that's the answer to, and that's my answer to the question, which we've talked about this before, Sean, which is the question doesn't need to be asked because on August 1st, Jerry didn't want to fire them. He had not come to the decision yet. And I know you find that hard to believe because you wanted them or you thought they had done what needed to happen for them to be gone. Herb well, obviously the feels season the would be way. over at May 1st. I mean, we just said that during this podcast. Sean. I'm not, I'm not telling you how you think. I'm telling you how Jerry was thinking. And Jerry told us that he did not make the decision until closer to the day that the decision was actually made. Um, and so really, that that question doesn't even matter because it wasn't going to happen. It, 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 there, it, it's not like he was like, ooh, I'm sitting here. I'll see how tomorrow goes. I'll see how tomorrow goes. Like He truthfully told us that he hadn't made the decision until later. Whether you think that's a relevant or a deserved line of thinking or not doesn't really matter because he's the owner but what i will say is it's very much it's very much a question based entirely on the one move and not even all of the one move just hey could jake berger still be here because what rick Hahn and kenny williams did at the trade deadline was trade guys to put and and then acquire young players to put the White Sox in a better position for the long term. And I think that what you look at as being Chris Getz's goal once he took over, as we look toward 25 or 26 or beyond, the trades that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams made at the trade deadline helped helped that go out. And and I mean they get they get guys like Caro and Eater and Nastrini and Bush, guys that could factor into the future. And I think that they've got a lot more um Let's say this. The future is brighter as we sit here today because of those trades that were made by people who no longer run the team than it would have been or than it was than it would have been had they not made those trades. Right. I just find it interesting, as NBC Sports Chicago reported, I think on August 23rd, uh, that Ken Williams ended up making the trade for Jake Berger, maybe against other people's wishes in the front office. Uh, I just I find it interesting that the one trade or the, the one move that was questionable was one that was reported on having some infighting. So it's like if that infighting wasn't going on, and obviously, you know, Jared, you bring up a great point that Chris Getz would be put in a pretty difficult position uh, to have that be his first trade deadline within a month of uh, being put under that job. And obviously, Vinny, you're talking about, you know, Jerry not being at the decision even yet uh, at the deadline. Um, I don't know. I, I think if, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, they probably still get a B plus for what they did at the deadline, uh, just because that, that burger question mark is still there uh, on what, eater can end up finishing but it's just one player you're losing um for the most part like you bring up caro nestrini bush leisure uh corey lee uh all those guys uh, even it was davy garcia part of the middleton trade uh no he was a waiver claim waiver okay yeah 
Um, but I still, think... uh, in, you know, they, they did, a, I think, a decent job of at least moving on from the players that needed to be moved on from. And the one question mark is, you know, should Jake Berger been one of those players that the Sox moved on from? Uh, yeah, it was Juan Carella. Juan Carella? Uh, Juan Carrela was the guy that uh, Middleton was traded for with the Yankees. All right. Uh, Speaking so, of Keenan Middleton, is that the next thing on your oh, timeline? I guess. I mean, how big what of a What a segue, story Sean. You, you did it. <laughs> how big of a story do you think that was? Because, and, and maybe do you think that story leaking out led to the firing? Because I think it was on August 7th, Middleton ends up addressing the Sox culture issues, uh, and Rick Hahn spoke the, the same day. On what Middleton had to say, is that really that big of a turning point, though? Because I I thought of it as just like a blip. I don't know. Let's put it this way. It was part of the snowball effect. And as we are still in the first week of August, you're going to see that that snowball got really, really, really big. And uh, I think, listen, we're talking about Jerry having not made his decision on August 1st when the trade deadline happened. I'm not saying he made it on August 7th when when. Middleton was talking about all this stuff, but he made it by August 22nd. And there were things that happened with this team, both on the field and off the field, between the end of July and the, uh, you know, three weeks into August that probably made it look like this was a lot more off course than it, than it, than it looked even when things were bad just on the field early on in the season. So um, was it was it the turning point or a turning point? No, but it also showed what Rick Hahn and company kept saying at the trade deadline was we made all these moves to correct what was going on inside the clubhouse. And then you get people talking about the culture. I mean, again, all of these are the things that sunk this team to the low, low point that they are at the moment. And that that is part of it. I guess why I refer to it as a blip, Jared, is because the bigger cultural issue to me is Ken Williams making a trade without maybe the the consignment of general manager Rick Rick Hahn, right? I think that's probably a bigger story that that happens yeah. for the cultural issues of the White Sox that Chris Getz is trying to change rather than some guy reportedly sleeping in the dugout. Right, because I think any every baseball team within their their locker room, they're gonna have no team is free of issues now were, were the White Sox problems in their their locker room maybe worse than other teams it sounds like they could have been I do think it's significant that somebody like Middleton would have spoken up and spoken you know pretty openly about what the things that he observed because a player in his position has a lot to lose if teams don't want to don't want to sign him don't want to bring bring him on board because he's he's violated one of those unspoken baseball rules where you don't talk about what's going on in the clubhouse so to me it said a lot that he was willing to to speak up about that but yeah Sean I think you're right like if the bigger issue is if you have um you know the right hand doing something that the left hand doesn't know about or doesn't agree with and it's impacting the future of the team beyond just the season that you're in that's a much deeper issue and that yeah that to me would be if I'm in Jerry Reinsdorf's position if I see that kind of thing going on between Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn then that's probably has a is plays a bigger role in my decision to say I don't I don't know that these are the guys that I want running my team anymore yeah and that that August is just uh 
a historic run for the White Sox. Berger traded on August 1st. On August 2nd, uh, Rick Hahn said that contention was viable in 2024. Uh, don't tell him what happens a few days later, 20 days later. August 5th, uh, J-Ram knocks down TA in the uh, Guardian Sox brawl. August 7th is when Keenan Middleton speaks up on the cultural issues. August 21st, Cranes reports of the Sox moving away from the south side. Uh, on August 22nd, Rick and Ken are fired. On August 25th, a fan is shot inside guaranteed right field and August 31st just to put a nice bow on the month Chris Getz is choosing to be GM and Jerry Reinsdorf says that they will not sign Shohei Otani so at least he didn't lie to us um is I mean obviously that's the biggest so just on the month of August truly uh I guess like obviously August is the most impactful month because so much happened um, and the decision to move on from Rick and Kenny uh, was made in that month and, and Jerry addressed the decision to move on from him like nine days later. Uh, I don't know how to, how to, how to phrase this. I, I don't know if it's maybe the most impactful month, but like is the biggest down, story is the, is the biggest hands, story them hands down. Fired? Hands down, Sean. Hands down, the biggest story of the year for the White Sox is Rick and Kenny being replaced by with Chris Getz. And all you need to know is that one or both of those guys were at the top of the White Sox baseball decision-making tree for nearly a quarter century. The rarity at which there is change in that department uh, is striking. And it happened this year. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, we can talk about, oh, but, you know, uh, you know, Kenny Williams was uh, uh, the guy who put the World Series team together. We can talk about Jerry Reinsdorf saying, oh, he thought of him as a son. And those things factor into it, right? Those are the reasons that people stayed around. But the just that the tenure was as long as it was, more than two decades, and with all that's happened with this White Sox team, there, you know, the 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 rebuild that Rick Hahn did and the the failure that that ended up being, 101 losses this year. Obviously, they were not uh, in charge for every single one of them, but that there was change at the with the person who was leading the White Sox is undoubtedly the biggest story of the year for this team. And I was talking with Kevin Kaduck before he did his CHGO sports show about the top stories in Chicago sports this year. And I think you could argue that it was the second biggest story in Chicago sports all year behind the Blackhawks getting Connor Bedard. Yeah, that's fair. I can't really argue with that. Uh, I, I mean, I guess, Jared, is it more surprising that Rick and Kenny get fired or that this team in this moment in this rebuild the team that you picked to go 80 and 82 with a brand new manager finishes with 101 losses because it maybe is it the result that ends up leading to them getting fired and as Vinny says they didn't even finish out the season or is it the actual action of you know removing the person for that was in charge for 25 plus years yeah I think it's the significance of taking of removing both of those guys um that that can't be overstated, I think, because it's it's a monumental shift in the front office. Because we've seen then since then uh, what Getz has done and some of the guys that he's brought in, and so that that front office staff looks so much different now than it did just a few months ago. And that's a, you know, if you want to talk about really changing the way that this team operates, this is the thing that you know we we've all kind of said needed to happen. You want to fix things, you do kind of have to go to the top. And if you think the problem is starting from the front office, then you change the front office, and that's what they did. So now it's 
you know, there, there are still a lot, there's a lot to be done, but I think in my opinion, they've made the biggest move. And if you want to see the team improve, then that was the, the move that needed to be made. Is Chris Getz the right guy? Time will tell. Let's see how things develop from here, what he does the rest of this offseason, um, how much differently this team plays in 2024. I don't think they're going to lose 100 games again. Um, but I think we'll be seeing you, – you want to see more like fundamentally sound baseball, those kinds of things, because Pedro Grifol talked about that a lot. Um, in the last year, we didn't always see it on the field, but those are the things that I'm looking for is, are they making the improve improvements that they say that they're, they're wanting to make? Yeah. And the other thing that I didn't bring up, at least uh, shocking November 9th, Jason Benetti leaves the booth for Detroit. Uh, that was shocking as well. And even the, the Rick Hahn hundred loss thing, like what's more shocking them actually getting fired or them losing a hundred games. It's probably a chicken and egg or, or the egg thing. Uh, you know, I mean, the only reason why they're getting fired is because the team's that bad. Uh, but Jason leaving the booth, uh, there, there's obviously Tim's and uh, Liam's options being declined, uh, gets filling out that front office staff, like you said, uh, Nikki Lopez being acquired, them signing Fetty, Maldonado, DeYoung. Uh, what have we made of this offseason? Because it hasn't been short of any headlines. Jared? Um <laughs> I've Thanks made my for, thoughts known yeah, on it over and over again. Yeah. So. You, you've been great at uh, conducting traffic here, Ben. <laughs> yes. I. What do we make of this offseason? The goal was maybe, to improve. What, what, if we, what do you think of the Benetti move? Oh, that Jason Benetti, I think, is one of the best guys in baseball. So to, to lose him from your broadcast is it, – it's sad. And, you know um, – but I, I know he, he made some – he talked a little bit about why, why he made that move. Um, in some ways, it's similar to Len Casper leaving the Cubs and coming to the White Sox. And, you know, there's – at the end of the day, there's career goals that these guys have, and they'll, they'll leave one organization to go to another in order to, to meet those goals. So, but, yeah, it's, it's a big loss to, to not have Benetti on the south side anymore. Um, you know, I'll miss seeing him around at Sox games. Uh, hearing his voice, um, you know, when I'm at home. So that's, yeah, that's disappointing. But uh, as far as what they've done with the roster, you know, if the stated goal was to improve on defense, I think you could say that they've, they're accomplishing that. They are, they should be a much better defensive team in 2024 than they have been. Now, do they need a lot more to to continue getting better? Yes, of course. But this is what you said you were, you wanted to do. It's what you are doing so far. Um, so I can't really, I can't really be mad about that because that's what you said you wanted to do. And I'm talking about you know Chris Getz. So um, if that's your first step in rebuilding the team, I think you're you're doing fairly well with that. And in doing it with with guys like Maldonado and DeYoung, these are they're going to be here for a year or two, and then and then. There, you know, this isn't long-term stuff here, but you want to get better on defense. You want to pave the way for some of these prospects who are hopefully able to come in and take these positions. I can't be too mad at what they've done so far. 
Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow about uh, resolutions for 2024 uh, to maybe uh, hope uh, maybe put the, the the acquisitions in a better spot uh, to succeed in 2024. Uh, Vinny and I will have you covered on that. Um, I guess I'll wrap up with my thoughts on Tim Hill, uh, unless you guys have any other moment that sticks out. I included uh, Keenan Middleton's driver taking the Kennedy Vinny for you. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was a moment that stuck out. Uh, any other thing that maybe we didn't mention, because there were so many things in 2023, not a lot of them good, uh, but just things happened in 2023. It was an eventful year. We did get Gregory Santos to say, I am Groot. That's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we even have the sound effect anymore. But we'll need to we uh, include don't, that no. before the year. Ah, oh, It's somewhere. It's buried somewhere. I have it on my computer. <laughs> Jared, any moment that that sticks out that we that we haven't brought up, or do you think we um, covered? I mean, we did, we didn't really. We mentioned it, didn't really get into it, but um, of course, the you know the fan getting getting shot, very strange story, um, and in a way. I'm thankful that it was more a product of just something really weird happening as opposed to, you know, something that could have been, could have been a lot uglier. Cause when you first heard about it, it was pretty scary. I was there the day after that happened. And, um, you know, the more we learned about what we think took place, I, I think it was just a, you know, what, it, what a strange, what a strange moment and what has been a very eventful and frustrating season in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think I look back on it now and I think I'm, I'm in a weird sort of way. I'm just glad it was just something very odd as opposed to, you know, an intentional act of violence or something along those lines. Yeah. And we still have no resolution to what happened. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf said that the shot did not come from inside the stadium. Uh, yet the woman just said that uh, she did not have a gun or uh, did not snuggle a gun. Uh, she told uh, ABC7 the end of September uh, that she did not sneak a gun into the ballpark she also has never been uh she's never owned a firearm although she does have a foid card uh the victim said she's been fully cooperating with police and the last time they contacted her was the day after the shooting so we might never have a resolution to that very very weird story which much must make uh, people feel very very safe to go watch the white Sox, uh the 101 loss white Sox in 2024. uh my final thoughts are the moment that happened today. Uh, Declan Cronin getting DFA'd and Tim Hill uh, being signed. Uh, just some notes. Uh, in 2019, he had a dominant slider. It had uh, six run value and a 32.5% whiff rate. Uh, not sure if they're going to be looking to unlock that slider as it has been a down pitch in 2021, 2022, and 2023. For Hill, last year he was seventh in ground ball rate for pitchers minimum of 40 innings pitched. So if you are looking for somebody to replace Aaron Bummer as that weird arm slot ground ball lefty uh tim hill is your guy and he has the third lowest vertical release so i wouldn't call him a submariner but he is the most submariney of the side armors uh there's adam simber and Ro uh, tyler rogers who are the true submarine pitchers in major league baseball tim hill is mostly a sidearm guy but he gets fairly low third lowest vertical release in uh, all the majors last year and the one thing that I found very interesting, he does have a pretty good uh, extension, 6.9 feet, uh, but it doesn't really help that much with his perceived velocity. Uh, so it's mainly about the arm angle rather than how much extension he's getting because he's not really uh, using the velocity uh, to benefit him. Uh, but he does have similar arm side movement as Devin Williams, uh, which I found very shocking. Uh, so Devin Williams, the right-handed pitcher for uh, the 
Brewers. Uh, his very notable airbender pitch moves a ton into right-handers, and it's very impossible for him to hit. Uh, Tim Hill has the same uh, arm side movement, uh, a little bit more uh, per uh, by inches uh, than Devin Williams. So uh, 15.9 inches on Hill's arm side movement, 15.7 inches on Williams' arm side movement. There is a lot of difference, though, because Williams throws 97 on his fastball, and he's throwing more over the top where, you know, uh, Tim Hill is throwing sidearmed and uh, is, is throwing 89.7. Uh, so different players there, but uh, you know, interesting movement profile there from Tim Hill, and he's going to force a lot of ground balls. So uh, hopefully the White Sox, with their improved defense, can field those ground balls. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for uh, the CHGO White Sox podcast. Thank you to Jared Willis for filling in. For Herb Lawrence today, you can follow him at J Willis Wise instead of Eyes uh, on X, and uh, you can read his work at allchgo.com. You could read Vinny Duber's work at allchgo.com as well. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. You can follow the show at chgo underscore White Sox. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. Forgot to oh, introduce her you. earlier. Sorry, yeah, I didn't say get you to say hi earlier. Uh, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, and there was no vanilla ice too uh, on August 25th. So uh, as Melissa says, uh, a tragic day for all involved. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow at 3:30. Goodbye. <laughs>